Hello, Purpose Church. I hope you're having a great day so far. And also, I hope you had a very, very happy Thanksgiving. I hope you got to enjoy some turkey. I'm more of a ham person myself. Some mashed potato, mac and cheese, all the good stuff, even cranberry sauce. I don't like it. Don't crucify me, but I really hope you had just an awesome opportunity to hang out with friends and family and just have a really a time to uh, reflect on all the goodness of God. Uh, One of my favorite things my grandpa used to tell me is that calories don't count in November or December. So uh, I I encourage you to take that advice. But I'm super honored to be speaking today as we are closing out in the Wilderness Series. And I know that I've been blessed. I hope you've been blessed. And I'm really excited on what we're going to talk about today. But before we dive in, some of you may be thinking, who is this guy that's talking right now? My name is JT Martinez. And I have the honor and privilege in pastoring our fifth through eighth graders here at Purpose Church. So if you have a fifth through eighth grader, uh, I just want you to know if they come to our program, how much uh, I love them as a ministry. We love them. If you have a student, but maybe they've never checked out the program, uh, we offer a program on Wednesday at 7 and on Sunday at uh, 10 and 1130. Uh, Before we dive into our message, though, I also want to share, I recently got married. We're going to show you a picture of me and my beautiful bride. Her name is Alicia Martinez now, and uh, we've been together for five years. We got married on October uh, 29th, and the marriage life is the best life. Uh, I'm a marriage expert now because I'm going one month in. I'm just kidding. If you have any advice, please reach out to me. I would love to receive it. And me and my beautiful bride, we are honored to be a part of Purpose Church. But enough about me. I'm really excited on what we are talking about today. We are talking about something that I really feel like will empower you. Uh, It's going to challenge us. But I really, the hope is that it allows us to take our next steps with Jesus The title of today's message and what we're going to be talking about today is this, follow me in the wilderness. Follow me in the wilderness. I want to encourage you today uh, as we're you, you know going through this message to, to take some notes, have your Bible ready because we're going to be jumping around a few scriptures. And before we go into our main passage, though, I really want to share a story um, I'm not a big outdoors kind of person. Uh, I don't like hiking. I don't really like going into the woods, let alone the wilderness. And I remember when I was in high school, um, in high school, you tend to not do the most wise things. And I've been in there. I've been in those shoes, okay? And it reminded me of this story where I was with uh, about five other friends. So there's six of us total. And my buddy, uh, he lived on the top of a hill, but in his backyard where it was really a lot of wood, like a woody area. And being, you know, wise high school young men, we decided that it would be a great idea to walk through the woods at 1 a.m. in the morning. Some of you are probably thinking that's insane. Absolutely it is. And I remember when we went on this journey, one, there's mountain lions, there's coyotes, there's rattlesnakes, um, there's just scary noises, and it's pitch black, so dark. And so we had two people, one person that wanted to lead, that, that knew where to go, but then we had this other friend who was really dominant that said, follow me, but had no idea where to go. We had one flashlight, so we embark on this journey, and as we're going through the wilderness, uh, we find ourselves lost. And I'm freaking out because I don't like being outside in the dark. I'm a scaredy cat. Shout out to nightlights. But I was so scared. And because of that, other people got scared. We got worried. Why? Because we didn't know where we were going. And who we were following wasn't the right person to follow. See, I share this story because there was two people. There was the one that we first talked about, right? The the person who, who said, follow me. 
But in actuality, he didn't know where to go and what he was doing. He was leading us more astray. But then we had the other friend who, once we came to our senses, when we start, decided to follow them, they got us back home safely. And I wanted to share the story because who you decide to follow will dictate the journey through the wilderness. See, life is like a wilderness. And who you follow through this journey of life will really dictate your outcome. See, I want to encourage you to write this down. If we go to our first note, it says, um, on the journey of life, who you follow in the wilderness will either protect you or hurt you. On the journey of life, whoever, who you follow in the wilderness will either protect you or hurt you. Life is crazy. Life, there's a lot of things that we don't expect in life that occur. And really who we follow will either protect you or hurt you. Our main passage today, and I encourage you to open up your Bibles to Matthew 4, verses 1 uh, through 11. And this is a beautiful passage because we are going to see the Savior of the world, Jesus, go into the wilderness. But go into the wilderness alone and having tons of emotions, but also to be annoyed by something. And on our journey of life, when we go through wilderness, the wilderness, there's moments where we may feel alone, we get annoyed easily, and we just feel temptation all the time. But I want to share, look at how Jesus responded to it. So Matthew 4, verses 1 through 11, let's read it in its entirety. It says this, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down for it is written. He will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And all this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And then verse 11, then the devil left him and angels came and attended him. Wow. Can I get an amen? Write an amen uh, in the comment section or in the chat because this is some really good stuff. There's a lot of things that we see as we unpack this passage. And before we go any farther in this specific one, it's important to understand where Jesus was prior to this moment. Where Jesus was really at, the, at a, such a happy moment before he transitioned into a really challenging time. If we look at Matthew 3, 16 through 17, this is important. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was open. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And in verse 17, and a voice from heaven said, this is my son, son whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. I wanted to read that because it's important to know context, right? See, Jesus went from the water 
to the wilderness. Jesus went from this holy moment where he was baptized and all these beautiful things were occurring to now go be tempted by the devil. He went from the water to the wilderness. See, in verses 1 through 11, what we really acknowledge in this entire passage is that the time of testing showed that Jesus really was the Son of God. See, through this testing, we could really understand that Jesus was the Son of God because he was able to overcome the devil and his temptations. Jesus was able to overcome the devil and all the temptations that have occurred. This is a, a beautiful passage, and what I love about this entire series is that this goes with everything that we've been learning. If we look at Deuteronomy 8.2, it says this, Remember, everybody remember, remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble and test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. I love this passage because what we're understanding is that Israel was led into the wilderness to be humble and to be tested. We see earlier in scripture how, how honestly Israel uh, had, a, had a very easy heart or excuse me, an easy, uh, it was very easy for them to pretty much stray away from God, right? We see that they complain about not having food. They worship false idols. They want to go even back to Egypt to be slave because they're tired of wandering. And what this actually does, when this, this season that they were in, when they were in the wilderness, it was God wanted to see whether or not they would really obey him. See, in, in the wilderness, and what we saw in the scripture, that in the wilderness, this is a moment where God can really see if you will really obey him, if you will really trust him. It's important for all of us to understand something, church. We all will be tested. We will. You know, every day we're tested. We're tested to, to either obey God or to disobey Him. We're tested to trust Him or to trust ourselves. There's tests all the time. And because we know testing is going to occur, it's very important for us to understand something. We need to be alert and ready for it. We need to be alert and ready for it. One of the, my favorite things that my grandpa would reiterate to me all the time was, Remember, your convictions are only strong if they hold up under pressure. I want to say that again. I, I want you to really think about that. Your convictions are only strong if they hold up under pressure. How are your convictions? Do you only proclaim Christ at church and then you forget about him when you go to work or you go to a family gathering or a friend's hangout? Or that, is that conviction of being a follower of Christ following you every single day, every second, every moment of your life? I share this because you notice in the passage that when we go to Matthew 4 again, that Jesus wasn't tempted uh, inside uh, the temple. He wasn't even tempted at his baptism, but in the wilderness. Jesus was tempted in the wilderness. Oftentimes we come to church, we don't feel any temptation, but as soon as we leave the parking lot, as soon as we turn off the sermon that we're watching, temptation comes. The devil comes and tries to attack us. He, try, he tries to lead us astray. You know, when we look at where Jesus was at, he was tired. He was alone. He was hungry. You talk about hangry, try to go 40 days and 40 nights without food. He was hangry. 
And he was vulnerable. He was vulnerable. Verses 1 and 2, it said that Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil after fasting 40 days and 40 nights. He was hungry. Some of us are hungry right now. We're thinking more about food than we are maybe the message. Jesus went 40 days and 40 nights. And because we know that Jesus was vulnerable, what we see in the scripture is that the devil will come and attack us when we're most vulnerable. That the enemy will come at us when we're most vulnerable. You know, when I think about what are some things that makes us feel vulnerable at times, it's, it's being lonely. You know, it's being confused about a big decision that needs to be made. It could be a financial burden. It could be a face with uncertainty about the future. And the list goes on and on of things that really make us vulnerable. And I was reminded when I felt vulnerable and when I really felt attacked by the enemy. You know, when the Lord called me to Purpose Church, I was very excited. I was fired up. But I also was, I was scared. I was scared because I was a young man embarking on a big journey. And because of that fear, what I was doing was I was leaning a little bit more into the fear. And there was tons of moments that created uncertainty, confusion. I didn't think I was good enough. Uh, and, and there was just a lot of hurt and a lot of pain in that. And maybe you can resonate with that. Maybe there's been times in your life where you got a big decision or you had an opportunity or, or something maybe occurred in your life that created a lot of uncertainty and confusion and self-doubt. I've been there, church. I understand that. But what I also understand that even in the midst of that season when I felt like that was even when I'm uncertain about myself, I am certain about the one who made a way. I am certain about my, my Father in heaven, the, the Savior of the world. Some of us need to start trusting Jesus more instead of ourselves. Some of us need to start trusting Jesus more instead of ourselves. Because we often like to think that ourselves it, it will really help us, will guide us in the right direction. But oftentimes ourselves leads us astray. We need to start following Jesus more, church. You know, as we go later into the scriptures, when we look at three and four, that Jesus was hungry, he was weak, he fasted 40 days. But yet he chose... Notice that he chose not to use his divine power to satisfy his heightened need for food. Jesus didn't use his, 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 his power to, to fulfill that need for food. Food and eating are good, but the timing was wrong. The timing was wrong. That's, that's important. That's really important for us to understand. Timing matters to God. Some of us are doing things in the wrong timing. Maybe we're in a relationship and we're, you know, we're, ha we're having sex before minute marriage. That's the wrong timing, church. Timing is everything. Notice that Jesus could have easily made uh, food for himself when tempted, but he knew that the timing was wrong. Temptation was in front of Jesus, Jesus yet he never gave in. He never gave in. And maybe you're thinking, well, duh, it's Jesus. It's Jesus. He didn't, he didn't feel what we felt. Hebrews 4.15. It says this, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to emphasize with our weaknesses, but we have one 
who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. This is not me telling you that, that Jesus didn't, didn't um, or that Jesus does understand what we go through. It's scripture right there. He's, he, was, he was tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Jesus knows firsthand what we are experiencing and he will help us in our struggle. Don't think Jesus can't emphasize with our hurts and pains because he can. He did it in this moment. He did it when he went to die on the cross for us, when he was getting beat, mocked, laughed at, even betrayed by his own friends. He understands. He knows, he knows, he knows. I want to encourage you to write this note down as we go into our next, but it, it says, when you are tempted, turn to Jesus for strength. When you are tempted, turn to Jesus for strength. One of the things that when I was thinking about this specific point, this question arises, this question that I really feel like is super important for us to understand. Where do you turn first when you feel tempted? Where are you turning first when you feel tempted? Are you turning to Jesus, the Savior of the world, who created you, who designed you, who loves and cares about you? Or are you turning to yourself, your self-pride, your arrogance? Are you turning to, 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 the, to the schemes of the devil? Who are you turning to first when you feel tempted? Notice that the devil tried to get Jesus to doubt uh, the Father's love, protection, and provision. As we see in these three different um, challenges that the devil brings, these temptations, it was really to have Jesus doubt the Father's love, protection, and provision. But yet Jesus was able to resist all the devil's temptation. He was able to resist all the devil's temptation because he not only knew Scripture, but he actually obeyed scripture. That's important to understand, church, that Jesus, he knew scripture, but he also obeyed it. This is important. Why? Because Satan knows scriptures too. As we, look, as we looked at the passage, Satan quotes scripture. Satan tried to use scripture to make Jesus doubt the Father's love, the protection that he brings, but he purposely misquoted it. He purposely used it out of context. He disregarded the real meaning behind it and he had no intention in obeying it. Satan knows scripture, but he'll never use scripture in the right context. Why? Because he'll never apply it to his own life. He'll never apply it. But it's important for us, church, to understand it, but also to apply it. You know, continuing to study and know what the Bible says and what it really means helps us follow God's desires rather than the devil's. Take a moment, write that down. Continuing to study. You got to study the word daily. Notice it says study though. Studying means not just reading it and, and checking it off for the day. I read my Bible, it's good. Usually when the people that do that, that just, just read the word but don't study the word, they forget the word. So we really need to study the word of God and know what the Bible says and what it really means to help us follow God. If you read the Bible, I want to encourage you, dive deep into the word. Don't read it at face value. Dive into the beautiful roots of the scriptures. I love using an NIV study Bible. I love journaling. 
You know, as you read more scripture, it's easier to obey, but also God reveals more and more about himself to you. To you, church. Be intentional with that time. I like to think of the Bible as, as a map through the wilderness. It's a map through this life journey, this marathon that we go on. And if you're not reading your word, then you're missing a bigger picture. If you're not really studying the word of God, maybe you're having a hard time in the wilderness. And this question comes after that. This question, who are you falling into and through the wilderness? Who are you falling into and through the wilderness? Are you following the one who's trying to get you through it safely? Are you following the one that loves you, that actually says, hey, follow me? Follow me. We see that in scripture, you know, follow me. Who, who has a clear direction that is the light of the world, that will be the light that creates a path for our feet. Are you following that person or are you following the one who wants to confuse you, that wants to hurt you, that wants you to, to fall victim to, to, to self-doubt, to, to just fleshly desires? Are you following the one who, who fell away? Who are you following through this wilderness, church? You know, one of the hard things that I see is, you know, I, I, I can understand people that are, are walking through the wilderness who never knew Jesus. I can understand their, their frustrations and their hurts and pains because they have never known Jesus. But my heart breaks when I meet people who, who say they know Jesus, but in actuality, they don't really have an authentic relationship with Jesus. See, some of us know Jesus, but we don't actually follow Jesus. We know the goodness of Jesus. We know that he died on the cross, but we don't actually follow him. Some of us, maybe we decided to say, hey, I'm a, I'm a Christian because I, I want everlasting paradise, but I have no intention on being intentional with God. I have no intentions on really following him, but I just, I just want eternity, but I don't want the, all that other stuff. That's cheap. That's not a good thing, church. And I can say that because I was that. I followed Jesus first because I wanted everlasting paradise, but I didn't want to follow through with all these rules or all these uh, things that came with faith. And what I noticed was I wasn't actually committed to Jesus in that season. And the wilderness only became darker and scarier as I embarked on it. You know, as we talked about today and even in this entire series, who you follow really dictates the outcome of the journey of life. And there's one person that wants to lead you to destruction. And then there's another one that wants to lead, uh, lead you to just this everlasting joy. Matthew 7, 13 through 14 says this. Enter through the narrow gate. For the wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction and many enter through it. We're just going to pause right there on verse 13 real quick because this is super important, church. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction and many enter through it. This is super, super devastating. Because a lot of people think that the, the wide gate is the gate to everlasting paradise. But in actuality, what we read in Matthew 7 is that the wide gate is what actually leads to hell. And what scares me even more, church, is that many enter through it. 
It doesn't say few. It doesn't say a little bit. It says many enter through it. Many enter through it. And in the world we live in today, the enemy is really good at, at, at paying that, that this wide gate is a good gate, that the wide road is, 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 is a good road because it's easy. But in actuality, it leads to destruction and many enter through it. But then if we go to verse 14, church, it says, but as small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life and only a few find it. Only few find the small gate. The big gate in the worldly context looks attractive and easy because we all want easy, but it leads to destruction. But this narrow gate, this gate where maybe we have to suck in our stomachs to get through, we got to kind of squeeze our way in, it leads to life, church. But only a few will find it. In this passage, what we just read, this question, I want you to ponder this question. Which gate have you found? Which gate have you found, church? This was one of the most convicting passages I've ever read in my life because there's a misconception that everybody goes to heaven, but that's not true. People that go to heaven are, are true followers of Christ. People that say that Jesus is Lord, that I accept him into my life. And because of that, I'm going to live my life to him, knowing I'm still going to fall short. I'm still going to mess up. There's going to be mistakes, but I'm willing to bring that to Jesus and learn and grow from it. You don't want lukewarm faith, church. You want authentic, intentional faith with Jesus. The wilderness of life is scary. It's like the story I shared going through the woods with a bunch of animals that could attack you. You got snakes. You know, you, don't, you got tons of crazy stuff out there. It's scary. It's terrifying. I don't know many people that say, hey, I like to walk in the darkness in the wilderness at 2 a.m., I talk to so many people where they say, JT, I've been going through this life alone and it's scary and it's dark. I don't know how to get through it. And I always like to say, I know how. It's Jesus. It's always been Jesus. It's always going to be Jesus. Jesus loves you. He cares about you. He wants the most for you and he offers it freely, but we have to accept the invitation. When you walk with Jesus, you'll have confidence that you can get through the wilderness. And if you're watching right now and if you've never walked with Jesus and maybe you did walk with Jesus at one point, but you fell away and you just have been so down and out, you're hurt and you're sad, he's still there for you. You know, this past year, we've seen crazy stuff from last year, even this year. We've seen a lot of sad things happen. I've seen so many people give up on faith. And every time I talk to them and see how they're doing, they just say, JT, things only got worse. And it breaks my heart. And maybe you fit in that category. And if it got worse, I want you to know, I'm sorry that it did, but I know how it can get better. If you decide to follow Jesus through the wilderness. One of my favorite quotes is one from one of my favorite pastors, Pastor Rich Wilkerson Jr. And he, he says this, and, and I want to challenge you, really look at what is being said here because I think it will give you some freedom right now. Quit focusing on what you did in the past. Quit focusing on the past. Quit focusing on what you didn't do. Don't worry about that. Quit allowing yesterday to dictate today. Quit letting the enemy tell you who you are. 
I want to pause right there. Quit letting the enemy tell you who you are. Some of us have been listening to the enemy. Some of us have been leaning into the lies of the enemy. And I want to tell you right now, quit it. Because the Lord is saying, quit it. The devil, the one that tempted Jesus, the very same person, the devil brings up your past because he's running out of new material. Church, he's running out of new material. He's running out of it. Every time he brings up your past, ooh, I love this, come on now. You need to remind him of his future. What is his future, church? It's over. He is defeated. He cannot beat Jesus. Why? Because Jesus has already won. You got to remind him of his future. You can't change your past. You can't change it, church. None of us have a time machine. We can't go back and fix those past issues. But what can happen is this, but Jesus can change your future. That's good. I love, I love that. Why? Because some of us, maybe we stop following Jesus or maybe we stop trying to uh, commit our life to Jesus because we always focus on the past. I had a pastor one time tell me, JT, when you drive a car to go forward, do you just look in the rearview mirror the whole time? And I'm like, no, obviously not. Because looking behind me the whole time will not help me move forward in my life. You can't change the past. You can't go back and, and, and address some things that you did in the past or, or things that you didn't do or you can't even fix yesterday. You may not be able to fix the past stuff, but Jesus can change the future. If Jesus can take this person who his parents couldn't raise him, his grandparents raised him, people made fun of him for being raised by his grandparents, struggled with depressed suicide and anxiety, struggled with self-acceptance, struggled with so many issues and problems, take that person and do something really radical in their life and, and instead, of, instead of leaving them behind, Jesus grabs this person and says, hey, I love you. I care about you. I have a plan for you. And radically change them. And now they're a pastor that they get a pastor of fifth through eighth graders in a very special way. He can change your life. I remember God met me in the midst of my misery in, in the trenches, in the wilderness where I was alone, abandoned, crying, scared, hurt, depressed, all these emotions. And he changed it. It was a process. It didn't happen overnight in my life. It happens overnight in some others' lives, and that's great. Praise God for that. But it was a process with me, but that process was so fruitful. I want to really encourage you, church, those who are listening, please hear this. Jesus does love you. He cares about you. He wants a real relationship with you. And maybe you're thinking, how do I do that? How do I have a real relationship? How do I accept Christ for my very first time? Or maybe how do I come back to him? I'm hearing the words. I'm hearing the script. I heard the scripture. We've read a lot of scripture. And I, you know, I want to make the change. I don't want to follow the devil anymore. I don't even want to follow myself. I just want to follow Jesus on this crazy journey through the wilderness. Romans 10, 9. If you declare with your mouth, your mouth, Jesus is Lord. And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If you want to accept Christ or you want to come back to him, how do you do that? Declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, but also believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead.
accept him as your Lord and Savior and believe that God raised him from the dead. And I'm gonna give us an opportunity to receive Christ or to come back to him. Why? Because it's so important that when we talk about something so powerful, so significant like this, that the Holy Spirit's moving in it, that we offer this invitation to receive Christ. And before we do that, I wanna give you the main idea. It's nothing flashy, but it's very impactful. Our main idea of today's message is that Jesus is the way. Jesus is the way. He made a way when there was no way. I'll believe he's going to do it again. Jesus is the way. He is the truth. Some of us have been going the wrong way, and that's, that, that happens, and I know it sucks and it hurts, but it gets better when you start going the right way. And we're going to do that right now. And I want to ask, if you're watching online right now, just to close your eyes. Just close your eyes. And take a moment thinking about reflecting on the goodness of God. Reflecting that he can understand what you're going through. That Jesus was even tempted. But yet, even in the midst of temptations, he never accepted that. He stayed faithful to the Lord. And as you're pondering that, I'm going to pray and I'm going to ask that you repeat this prayer after me because it's super important that, that you just utter these words. And as you do this, know this is between you and God. This is a moment for you and God to boldly declare that I want to be a follower of Jesus. So I'm going to lead us in a prayer and I, and I want to encourage you, I challenge you to repeat this after me. Let's do it together as a family because when you accept Christ, you, you come into this beautiful family of other believers and the best part is when you accept Jesus, heaven rejoices. Let's do this together. Say, dear Jesus, I know that you love me and I know that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to die for my sins and to heal me of all my hurt. And right now I say, yes. Yes, I want you. And yes, I want the life you have for me. I declare with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. And I believe that God raised him from the dead. I commit my life to you. It's in the powerful name of Jesus. We all say, Amen, amen, and amen. And if you made that commitment, we want you to know how excited we are. You know, maybe comment. If you made that decision to follow Christ, comment on the, on the section, in the chat. Reach out to somebody at Purpose Church. Heaven is rejoicing. We are rejoicing. We believe that God has some great and mighty things for you. And we are really looking forward to see how God is gonna navigate you through the wilderness and as you embark on the journey to glorifying God and learning what is it that God is calling you to do. We love you, Purpose Church. We're grateful for you and we hope you have a great rest of your day.